0: KYW Original Podcasts. Hey, everybody. This is Flashpoint host Cherry Gregg. I want to say happy holidays to you all and give you a big thank you to everybody who has subscribed to the Flashpoint podcast. If you haven't done it yet, please log on to the radio.com app, Apple Podcast app, and search Flashpoint and hit the subscribe button. Have a wonderful holiday and happy new year. Uh-huh. This week, the focus is having real conversations. It's the holidays. And
1: yes, I want to talk to you, Grandma, but I'm too distracted by my cell phone. There is some level of actual addiction that happens because your brain is being manipulated. Social media addictions. Studies show they increase depression.
2: Start comparing their lives to
0: this perfected version of the people around them when it's not necessarily realistic. How to use the holiday break to break bad habits. Then it's time to deal with the pink elephant in the room with those you love. Every confrontation does not have to be confrontational. Relationship guru Dr. R.G. Allen Wilson lays out a roadmap for having courageous conversations. We'll be right back. Flashpoint is sponsored by the Gift of Life donor program. Organ donors save lives. Register today at donors1.org. Welcome back to Flashpoint. I'm Cherry Gregg. The focus is social media. The holidays are a time of the year when everyone is taking photos and documenting the wonderful time they're having. Or is it a Penn study? For the first time, link social media to a lower state of well-being. And putting down those phones can actually boost your spirit. So how do you use the holiday break to break free from bad social media habits? with me in the studio to discuss this Flashpoint is Stephanie Humphrey. She's a national news tech and lifestyle contributor and founder of Tell Death Do You Tweet. We also have Jordan Young. She's a research associate and co-author of a study called No More FOMO. Decreased social media use leads to decreased loneliness and depression. (laughs) Welcome to Flashpoint. Thanks for having me. Every year around this time I try to talk about social media and there's studies that are shown now that social media calls problems. Jordan, you guys did one. Tell us about it.
2: Yeah, so it was really interesting. So we took basically a bunch of undergraduates at the University of Pennsylvania, and we asked them to limit their social media use across three of the major platforms. So we used Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat. Um, and we asked them to use at most 10 minutes per platform per day. So 30 minutes total. And what we found is that the people who used less social media actually felt better. They had improved well-being. So they had specifically more loneliness and depression.
0: That's a big deal, Steph. You work with young people <laughs> mm-hmm. all the time and you try to help them with social media. What have you found in talking to all the young people across schools, everywhere?
1: Well, they definitely feel a pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is where the rise of the Finsta comes up because Finsta is a fake Instagram. And I talked to parents about that just so they can know that they, that students may have this separate account, but the students are actually using the account for the things that they don't feel like they can post on their main page. So they want that account where they can be themselves, where they can be silly, where they don't have to wear makeup, where they don't need to use a filter on the photo. They have, they have created entire uh, personas and accounts just so they can be themselves. So there's definitely uh, a mismatch there between what they actually put out to the public and how they actually feel in real life. The fact that people have to do this is probably why it
0: leads to this depression if you increase your social media or if you have all the social media what is it that is causing the problem here what have you guys found
2: yeah so that's the a lot of the research that we're doing right now and we're trying to figure that out an aspect of it we think might be a bit of this downward social comparison so people put out mm. this image on social media that's kind of perfected they can put a filter on it things mm-hmm. like that and when kids are scrolling through and they see these different posts they might start comparing their lives to this perfected version of the people around them when it's not necessarily realistic so we think that might have
0: something to do with it The holidays. This is the time where everybody's comparing. I mean, you look at it and there's these ugly sweaters. Everybody got these like pajamas on. Cute holiday I picture, know. the Christmas card photo. <laughs> Grandma gave me this pie, you right. know? and then you look at it like, dang, I'm just sitting over here with a hole in my sock. Well, like, and then it, I must it be, just yeah. came
1: out Kim Kardashian even admitted that she photoshopped her family's holiday photo this year. So you're photoshopping four year olds and, and two year olds and newborns. What hope do the rest of us have? You know what I mean? So you have to take it all in context. You know, nobody's perfect. Nobody has that Valencia filtered life that that you might think they do online because they got a million likes. And and you have to keep the perspective. But it's tough to do.
0: The because this depression thing, this people getting sad. Um, I don't think that was the original intention of social media It was supposed to connect <laughs> us. And now we're seeing people getting serious FOMO.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that... please
0: explain what FOMO is.
2: Oh, yeah. So FOMO um, stands for fear of missing out. Um, And basically, I mean, there's so many components of social media that we just don't understand yet of how it's impacting people. It was intended to be a new technology to bring people together. So first we had, for example, um, phone calls. You could call someone and talk to them and they're not near you. Then we had texting. You could send messages to people who aren't near you. And now we have basically our entire social lives that are being brought online. And it's interesting to try to understand kind of how that's impacting our real-life social interactions. Um, And I think especially with the holidays, another Mm -hmm. part of it that um, you were mentioning with the filters on, you know, posting your photos and things like that, but also the holidays are a time to kind of be with the people around you. And I think an interesting part of our study that we found is um, the people who we asked to limit their social media, they specifically told us they felt more engaged with the people around them and they felt more connected to kind of the real world, I guess, and like their actual interactions. So I think that's something that people can kind of take advantage of in the holidays when all families get together and stuff, sort of getting offline and kind of more engaging with the people that are physically there with you.
0: But FOMO causes anxiety because if you are used to, if you're addicted to social media and you're constantly one of those people
1: that's constantly on there, not being on it (laughs) it can cause some problems. Right. And, and I think you, you know, you mitigate that ahead of time. I think what families can do is institute a no social media policy for the celebration. So if you're coming to my house for dinner, all the phones need to go in a basket, at least for some set amount of time. We will take one family photo and make sure everybody gets it, and you can post it later, but for the time that you're here, you need to be here, and then have those activities ready, too. Have the games ready to go, you know, have the, the Netflix queued up, or, or whatever, but make sure that people have enough other things to engage and distract them from the fact that they don't have their phones. Yeah, because the phone, we comes like
0: this tool like when you're bored yeah or you're having something an awkward moment it's like we can't sit in that moment we have to we just immediately go to our phone first it was email now it's social media and then the depression sets in so uh Steph mentioned some of the things that you can do um to sort of like alleviate this and kind of keep people in the moment why does staying in the moment make you feel better
2: Um, I mean, there's so much research out there about mindfulness and just kind of engagement with what's going on around you. And I think that a big aspect of it is just um, trying to kind of bring you more into the moment of what's happening right now instead of focusing on all these other things that aren't really in the here and now, essentially. Um, So it's basically just a study on mindfulness.
0: And the other thing is I noticed people are documenting the moment versus living
1: the moment versus living in it and (laughs) ultimately people were designed to be social interactive animals you know i think we think of ourselves as these higher beings that can do you know all these things at the same time and do them well and i can i can have my life online and i can manage social media but i can also be with my and you really can't you know at the end of the day we were designed to be a gregarious species we need to be around other people in order to i think isn't that one of Maslow's higher, yeah, yeah. higher real things? You know what I mean, like socialization and, and connection with other people. So you know, I think we've lost a little bit of sight of that, and and we need to get back to the idea that we're we're not so evolved that we don't need other people. Yeah, actual people in yeah. real
0: life. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Because I think the other thing that brings um, people some sort of sadness and loneliness is you could be like you could have five thousand friends online or thousands of friends or. Hundreds of thousands of followers, but actually in real life, what are your relationships like? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah,
2: no, it's interesting. There's a difference between what people would say is like their online friends versus their in-person friends. And we're definitely kind of noticing that shift.
0: When you are forced to do Christmas, (laughs) you (laughs) have to have And part of our Newsmaker of the Week uh, is talking about courageous conversations Mm -hmm. and how you can actually engage with people in real life. Because that's part of what the show is about, using the holidays To engage in real life. So one of the things that we also like to do around this type of time of the year is to clean up our social media, because that's the other thing. It causes a lot of anxiety when you have a post that's questionable. Or let's say you had a post where there was lots of um, negative response. You know, how do you deal with that and use this time of the year in a productive way to kind of clear the bend, so to speak, in your social media? Right.
1: Well, I think you should always be thinking brand first when you're thinking about social media. I mean, if you're going to be one of those people who only uses social to communicate with a very specific set of family and friends, you know, lock your privacy settings down. That still won't save you, but that'll be a little more helpful if you do plan on having some um uh Controversial sort of con- Conversations and posts But I think we all need to be thinking about Brand as we use uh, these Online platforms because you can do a lot Of damage to your brand if you're a working professional You can do a lot of damage to your brand with One post so you know as we go Into the new year take a look at what You've posted over the last few Months six months maybe even a year And if there is something in there That could be taken a different way Or someone else may find offensive It might be time to start deleting some of those things Things. And and one good tool uh, for Twitter anyway, because it seems like Twitter is where people get in the most trouble. That is there, is a, there is a website called WillMyTweetsGetMeFired.com and you can put in your Twitter URL and it'll actually comb through all all of your tweets all 10 years 20 15 years however long you've been on twitter and it'll look for potentially offensive words in the tweets and if it thinks that you have something there that you may want to take care of it'll give you the opportunity to delete that tweet
0: yeah because i think that is another thing i mean because we did a show a while back on what it feels like to get dragged Mm-hmm. on the social media mm-hmm. um, or the fear because some people have post something and they wake up and it's like all these comments and it can cause I mean people have attempted suicide done all sorts of things because of reaction online. That's a whole nother reason, Jordan, why this loneliness and depression um, um, can be can be caused by social media.
2: Yeah, I think it's really interesting and I think we, we have a lot more to understand about what does um, more time on social media do to us. But what we do know is that if you're able to limit that time, then you feel better. Um, so I think that's kind of a key takeaway that people can use in the holidays today. Um, I don't know about you also. this is just a personal anecdote I was thinking about when you were giving the advice about Twitter posts. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents... Always just told me growing up, anytime if I put something on social media, don't put anything out that you don't want on grandma's
0: nightstand. That's it. That's
1: it. And, and that's what I, I, I tell think that's students. That's a great role of yep. them.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think, okay, so 2020 is coming. Mm-hmm. We're ending this decade. It's a chance to start anew on, online. Chance to start anew. <laughs> give us Theoretically. A, give us a plan. Like, if you're saying, okay, like, I haven't been the best, this, the social media thing, I've been addicted. How do you set yourself up for? a new decade or even
1: a new year mm-hmm. where you can have a more positive social media interaction. Take stock of your usage. First of all, any phone, iPhone or Android has now, um, the ability to take a look at how much time you've spent online every day. So, track that over a week see how much time you're spending and see where you can make some changes there both iPhone and Android have uh, functionality where you can actually limit how much time you do spend and I've actually enabled it on my iPhone it's called downtime on your iPhone and you can set a time because I I found that um, a lot of my sort of ancillary social media usage happens at night because I'm a night owl I'm usually up or if I happen to wake up in the middle of the night the first thing I do is grab my phone it's 2 30 in the morning and i'm grabbing my phone and i'm scrolling through instagram like what is that about so if you set downtime on your iphone and it's called digital well-being on android you can actually block out you know from midnight to whenever or 10 p.m to 6 a.m and you're i mean obviously you can go in and and just you know turn it off and use your phone but that little barrier to using it triggers that emotional thing like you know what you know, because you, you pick your phone up and it's like, oh, your phone's locked until 5 a.m. And you're like, all right, you know what? You're right. I don't need my phone. So that little reminder mm. is enough to keep me from getting back on my phone in the middle of the night when I don't need to be there. And that's when I'm most likely to be scrolling through. I'm like, oh, man, look at what they're doing and look at what they're doing. I don't do it much, but in those in those moments, sometimes uh it happens. And I think you know, giving yourself some sort of arbitrary time away from your device is very helpful.
0: Yeah, because that's what kind of what you guys did in the study is to say, you know what, we're going to limit your amount of time. How did you pick that amount of time? And what is a good amount of time? Because I'm just like, 10 minutes is, <laughs> is not a lot. <laughs> I know. Yeah,
2: it's really interesting. A lot of people ask us, they're like, why didn't you just tell the students to not use social media at all, to just completely not use the applications? And honestly, we didn't really think that was realistic. Like, social media is something that's here. It's here to stay. Um, we don't. It's not going anywhere. College kids are going to use social media. But we're trying to understand kind of what is that optimal like sweet spot for how much time you could spend on social media without it becoming something bad. We can use it as a tool for um, interactions with people who might not be nearby. But at what point is it just maladaptive? Because at the end of the day, you only have 24 hours in yep. a day. And it's something that you're spending your time on. Um, so what we found is that 30 minutes might be around the sweet spot that we were looking at with at least across those three applications.
0: 30 minutes a day.
2: That's, that's what we did in our study. Yeah, but that was also only with three applications. There's so many other things. Like TikTok wasn't even a thing
0: when this mm-hmm. study came out. People spent hours on TikTok. Yo, yeah. you go down a rabbit hole. And TikTok <laughs> is a rabbit hole, man. You just wouldn't even know. My and you scroll it hours on TikTok Insane. making videos. I mean, you could literally like... Spend all day. day. Mm
1: -hmm. People
0: also waste a lot of time.
1: Yeah. Well, and I will say this too. And I always like to give this caveat because I think, you know, while we do need to take some personal responsibility in managing our screen time, we also can't beat ourselves up about it too much. These people... You know who have these industrial psychology degrees who do a lot of the things that my my Mm -hmm. fellow guests do. Come up with ways to keep you. Their job is 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 to come up with ways to keep us on these platforms longer. They gamify them and they manipulate the algorithms. They make the platforms work the same way casinos work. Like everything in a casino is designed to keep you in the casino playing longer. The free drinks, the fresh oxygen they pump in there. You know, yeah, they pump fresh oxygen into (laughs) casinos and just all of those different things and, and. And it's the same sort of methodology on platforms. Everything you do is designed to keep you on the platform longer. So there are a lot of people a lot smarter than us that have figured out what sort of things trigger the dopamine in your brain to keep you scrolling. So it's not that you're absolved of responsibility, but it is very hard. To cut back and say, I'm not going to be on this platform. I'm not going to, when you've been on it for, for a long time. You know, I don't know that I would liken it to a drug addiction necessarily, but it, there is some level of actual addiction that happens because your brain is being manipulated by these platforms. So, you know, go easy on yourself and, yeah. and, and take baby steps to start limiting and, and cutting down your social media use. And, and I think that's why a lot of people don't let little
0: kids, uh, like they, lim- they, yeah. they, Wait till their kids get don't a certain get, age don't get started. Yeah. before they start letting them have social media uh, uh, accounts. So we got to deal with this because we don't want more depression. We don't want more anxiety. And we want people to have healthy relationships that's with right. social media. Mm-hmm. So 30 minutes is a sweet spot, Jordan. That's what we think. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what we'll, we'll focus on. So because this is Flashpoint, we do um, want to wrap this up. So um, I want us to give people like a, a prescription. <laughs> <So to> speak, <laughs> give them a social media prescription um, for going into 2020 you know we don't want to be addicted we want to be online because a lot of people their bread and butter is online mm-hmm. uh, it's great for business in a lot of spaces but at the same time you want to make sure that during the holidays and during the year you're present with your family and friends so give us the prescription Jordan go right ahead
2: I think oh I wish we had a like a one size fits all type thing for everybody I think that the key to it is kind of trying to monitor how you're feeling, kind of um, pay attention to how much time you're spending on these applications. And remember, you only have so many hours in a day. How do you want to spend that time really? Um, And I think it's also making sure that you're more engaged with the people who are around you, just kind of paying attention to how that's making you feel.
1: And Schedule it. Schedule it like you schedule everything else. We live these heavily scheduled lives. Decide what is going to work for you online, but also schedule that time with your friends in real life. If it, even if it's just 15 minutes to do a FaceTime call with someone to have that interaction or meet a coworker in the break room for a cup of coffee, just make sure you're being intentional about scheduling that in-person interaction with people.
0: Yeah. And use this, this time during the holidays, y'all, to actually spend time with family. (laughs) how about that have a very happy holiday and I want to say thank you so much to Steph Humphrey and thank you so much to Jordan Young for coming on Flashpoint and talking about this issue in the news thanks for having us thanks for having us next up she's teaching families how to have courageous conversations every confrontation does not have to be confrontational relationship expert gives advice on how to use the holidays to make real connection we'll be right back hey guys listen up When you're done with the show, would you do me a favor? Please provide a review and rate this podcast. And feel free to provide feedback often. We need reviews to push us to the top. Now back to the show. Thanks, all. This is Flashpoint, and I'm Cherry Gregg. Our newsmaker of the week is a woman who promotes connection with oneself and others. Dr. R.G. Allen is a therapist and nationally known relationship expert. She's also CEO of Philadelphia-based Connections Matter, LLC. In recent weeks, she's made headlines when she released her new book, Courageous Conversations Connect, a pathway to reset your mindset with intentional thoughts from the inside out. She's on a mission to help individuals and families heal, and she's encouraging folks to use the holidays to kick it all off. Dr. RG, welcome to Flashpoint. Thank you. It's good to be here.
3: Yes, congratulations on your new book. Thank you. We're excited. We're excited. Not, not only is it new, it's like the first. Yes. The first, but not the last. Yes.
0: So Courageous Conversations Connect. Where did you get this idea?
3: It came to me over the years when mm. I would be working with clients and after a while, they started saying, "Yeah, I know, Doctor R G, the courageous conversation." And I was like, "Yeah," because we think that courageous conversations, or when we have to have these conversations, if you will, that it disconnects us, right? Oftentimes, we don't want to talk about the hard stuff because we feel like if we do, the person's going to reject us, or they're not going to like us, or you know, they're going to disappoint us. But and we think, in some ways, it's going to ruin the relationship. And what I say is, no, every confrontation does not have to be confrontational. Mm. You really can confront some things and do it in a way where the message is sent to the receiver in a healthy, caring, empathic way. And even have some hard conversations that end up on the other end better in the relationship than before the conversation.
0: Yeah. And so let's talk about the issue because the problem is people not talking about real stuff.
3: Most of us don't really want to deal with the pink elephant in the room. You know, we go over it, we go under it, we go around it, but we don't deal with it. And the people that I find have the healthiest relationships are the people that say, hey, let's deal with this. Let's talk about this. Let's process this. Let's even come to some resolution or some agreement because you find most people are not looking specifically for a full, like, agreement around things. Like we don't have to think the same thing about the thing. Mm -hmm. We just need to feel like the other person understands us, right? If I understand where you're coming from and I even can feel partly what you feel, Mm. then perhaps we can come to some common ground without fully agreeing about the thing. But you're never going to agree and you're never even going to fully understand if you don't have the conversation.
0: Your book is divided into four parts and it starts with self.
3: Yes. Absolutely.
0: Is it just that people don't even want to have the truth, the real, the courageous conversation with themselves?
3: We lie to ourselves all the time. We create a narrative that is not true. Sometimes we say, oh, you know, they really love us. They just, you know, they're just having a moment. No, maybe they don't love us. Maybe they don't like us. Mm. You know, or we'll try to create the narrative of, oh, they're really a good person. Well, no, maybe they're not. Maybe they've done some pretty bad things and they need to work on that. Mm. So staying in relationship, I say, we never should be in relationship for longevity, legacy or loyalty. Right. Sometimes people stay in relationships because this is what we always done. So we're just going to be in this relationship or we've been friends since grade school. How can I not be in this friendship anymore? But your friend is mean. Your friend has hurt you too many times to really think about. And sometimes we keep people way past their expiration date. Or I'm just loyal to a fault. Mm. But the fault is yours because sometimes we say, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So these kinds of ways in which we stay in relationships for loyalty or longevity or even legacy, nobody's ever divorced in our family. Nobody's ever separated how many I see more people sometimes in a relationship that are lonelier in the relationship than if they were not in the relationship.
0: That's so real because you stay because you're afraid. What will other people think? And you never are real with yourself and try to convince yourself uh, to do things that are not good for yourself.
3: Exactly. Which is why I started that first chapter out with radical self-care and action. Radical, because sometimes we do have to get radical to make change because we don't, most people don't like change. But self care, because you can't be good to anybody else if you're not taking good care of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So your self care should be non negotiable in action because self care is an action word. Yeah. It's not dormant, like, oh, I'm just going to sit back and be passive and take care of myself. No, when you get on the plane, they tell you to put the oxygen mask on first for a reason because mm-hmm. you can't be good to anybody else. You can't even be available to anyone else if you're not available to yourself first. So that's radical self-care in action. That's where the first chapter starts out. And every single week, I give people a courageous conversation, right? So the first week entry is, what is the courageous conversation you need to have with yourself? And in that full week, you then go into a call to action. Because as a a therapist, I'm always giving people homework. So, you know, this read, this 52-week journal is about you Really beginning the healing work for yourself and then for others. So call to action. And then finally, there's a courageous action. So at the end of this year-long journey, you ought to have 52 courageous conversations, 52 calls to action, and 52 courageous actions where you can journal into your own healing.
0: Yeah, and why is journaling so important? I started a, I started journaling like a couple of years ago consistently.
3: I have all my clients journal. Once we begin to externalize our feelings, our thoughts, and our emotions— it's at that point that we can actually look at it and fully understand it, right? But if as long as it's inside of our head, right, we say secrets keep you sick, and so do our unresolved thoughts, right? All of that stuff up in our heads is sometimes like toxic waste. It really has to become externalized before we can actually fundamentally deal with it and resolve it. And you talk about, you know, why does why do things keep popping up? Like in relationships, why do you keep dating the same person? They just have a different name. Mm -hmm. Why does that happen? Because you haven't really resolved or reconciled the issues that you have. And as a result, you continue to repeat that cycle over and over. It's like being on a down escalator. You're going up, but you're not getting anywhere. Yeah. Or being on a merry-go-round and somebody's saying stop, but the merry-go-round is speeding up. Mm. It is very hard to get off these cycles unless you're able to externalize what the real origin of the problem is, the root of the issue, and then begin to do the work.
0: Yeah. And that's the courageous. That kicks off with the courageous conversation. And so then chapter two, you go into the cost of love.
3: Yeah, that's some juicy stuff, right? <laughs> that's the juicy stuff
0: because it said how to win regarding money, sex, and kids in your relationship. Yeah, yeah. But these are your primary relationships right here.
3: Yeah, they're your significant relationships, right? And and love costs you something, right? Love shouldn't hurt in a way where it's abusive, if you will, but it's going to cost you something, right? And then what happens is when we're in these relationships, these intimate relationships with our kids, with our partners, with our friends, We don't really fully understand what it is that we need to do to have those relationships be healthy, especially with the ups and downs. So I start off with like money because money has meaning, but it's Mm. different meanings to many of us, right? So, and we don't really even understand how, what the model was for money, what we do with it. Are you a spender? Are you a saver? Do, you know, does money mean a lot to you to the extent that if somebody you're partnered with doesn't have it, then they're not worth anything. They're devalued. Or... Do you feel like you're not enough because you don't have enough money? And how do you utilize it? What's the utility? Do you use it to pay bills? Well, we all need that. But if you don't have enough of them, it can create arguments, right? Do you use it for fun and frivolous stuff, but then, you know, then you got to still pay your bills? Do you have an expectation that from a gender perspective, the man should earn all the money versus the woman? Or if the woman earns more money, does the man feel like he's not valued? Like all of these things... Can be disruptive in a relationship if you don't process them out and have the courageous conversation. Wow. Yeah. Sex?
0: That causes issues. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Here's the thing about sex, which is why I put it in the book. Because we do have to have courageous conversations about it. People like to have sex, but nobody wants to talk about it. They don't. Why? I
0: don't know. We're we're a sex-driven society in America, yet it's taboo to have those conversations.
3: Yeah, yeah. And so what I say is, like, don't do that. Don't do to, do it to yourself. Don't do it to your relationship. A lot of times it's rooted in religion for many people, mm. you know, where sex is really just has the utility of procreation, right? But the reality of it is was it was made to not just be— procreation, right, but recreational. They made it fun for a reason, but it also needs to be used responsibly. And what is it that you like? Like too many of us women are walking around not even knowing what we like, but yet we were born as sexual beings. So how can you be on this earth as a sexual being and really not know... How to utilize it. To people your get
0: uncomfortable with that I'm a sexual beings phrase. I'm just saying people be like, well, have You know, dare. yeah, I have know. But you mm-hmm. come
3: to this world as a sexual being, right? We are mind, body, and spirit all connected. And yet the reality of it is we were made in the image as a way to procreate and then recreate. So that's that sexual part, yeah, while it needs to be used responsibly. It still is something that we need to talk about because if we don't talk about it, right, then subsequently we don't, one, know what we like. We don't know what our partner likes. We don't know how to use it to our benefit, and we can't enjoy it.
0: That's a courageous conversation. That's a courageous
3: conversation. And then kids, well, kids are wonderful, right, but they're also stressful. And oftentimes, I mean, I have a lot of clients that are blended families. And I find that those are sometimes the most difficult conversations to have because sometimes we want to force things that should, that aren't there. Like now it's a blended family and now this kid didn't choose the, the, the step-parent, but they're, they're being forced to call that step-parent mom or dad. You know, or when we think about kids growing up, I see a lot of young adults, right? And the parents are raising them to launch them, but then either the kids don't want to let go or the parents don't want to let go of them. Yeah. So now they're still trying to parent adult children. As opposed to flying, letting them fly so that they can have their fun, you know, mm-hmm. as an adult. So there's a lot of conversation to be had, courageous conversations yes. about children as well.
0: Yeah, and then of course you got to stay healthy, and you have to. Uh, then all of this is supposed to get you on the pathway to living your best life.
3: So when we think about healthy, staying healthy, and especially in the midst of transition, right? Mm-hmm. We all go. This is holiday season. Everybody's not so happy during the holiday season. Sometimes people are dealing with going into the holiday without their loved ones from last year. We also know people are making their transitions that usually does happen around the holiday. Yeah. Right? And yet at the same time, you have wonderful transitions like people are getting married or people are having babies and, you know, people are getting job changes. So all transitions require us to make relative or respectful adjustments mm. to our reality. Right. And so if we can't talk about it, we can't have the courageous conversation about it, then we're sort of stuck in the past while life is moving on to the future. Yeah. Right? So it's important to really talk about those transitions. And then finally, when we think about living our best life now, part of why I saved that for the fourth chapter is because I've wanted people at the end of their journey to think about what it looked like to infuse the things that don't cost money, like joy, mm. like love, like happiness, contentment, power, right? Turning pain into power. And the last week, we talked specifically about enough. Right, That is the one word for that last entry is enough, because I think that when people have had enough right, and they feel like enough is enough, then they are willing to embark on a journey where they recognize that they are more than enough. And yeah. then what does that look like when you're more than enough? That means that you are here on this planet on purpose and you're, desi- you're deserving of having an abundant life so that you can then give more of yourself. If you have more inside of you, then you can give more to your to others on purpose.
0: Yeah, and it's like that's almost like a self-esteem, like you have to raise your own self-esteem, the way you view yourself, see yourself as whole mm-hmm. and not lacking, which a lot of people do. And so if you don't think you deserve certain things, then you'll accept those bad relationships and accept working at a place that you hate and all these things. The holidays are like the perfect time to sort of kick this off because everybody's <laughs> in there. <laughs> All those people that you probably need to be talking to or you've been, you know, tiptoeing around. Um, it's a good opportunity, I think, to kind of like spread your wings and practice a courageous conversation. Yeah.
3: I like to tell people, especially my clients, um, you know, at the end of the year, there's a wonderful time to say, whose life do you add to and whose life do you subtract from and who adds to your life and who subtracts from your life? And then you may need to recalibrate or what I call relocate. Mm. You don't have to like have complete cutoffs, but there are some people that really don't deserve a front row seat in your life for whatever reason. Maybe they've moved on and they didn't tell you, or maybe their, you know, their life is going in a different direction. But if you actually do that calibration, then you can determine for yourself, well, how are you going to go into the new year and who are going to be your, your cheerleaders or your, your board of directors, if you will, who are going to be those people that are in your inner circle that are going to help to push you, help to lift you, help to encourage you, help to see you to the next level, and whose life are you going to um, inspire? And it may be that those people who are not going to be in your life or at least not on the front row seat, that doesn't mean they're bad people. It really means that perhaps you're creating space for them to go in the direction that they're designed to yeah. and for you to go in the direction that you're designed to.
0: Yeah, so how do you build yourself up? Because, I mean, this is, a, this is scary stuff for some people. I mean, especially if you're not the type of person – like I, I just, honest. I've never been a confrontational person. How do you do it in a in a a judicious way, so to speak, Diplo, dip, diplomatic way?
3: Diplomatic. Well, I don't know that diplomacy always works. <laughs> I have a different way. My husband's sort of. I I say he cl- clubs you over the head. Uh, with, you know he's all on a different level of courageous conversations whereas I'm a little bit I'm a little bit more diplomatic yeah however, um, I also believe that what we say is truth trust and transparency mm. leads to transformational breakthroughs if you can start with some redeeming quality even if it's you know I really want to have a conversation with you because I love you and I, I want to fight for this I love you enough and um, care about you enough to stay in this relationship. Right. But in order to do that, we're going to have to talk about some stuff because I have some boundaries. Yeah. And speaking from I always helps. And speaking your truth always helps. Right. No one can tell you how you should feel. Right. And if you're actually talking with someone and you're not pointing the finger or blaming and shaming. Right. Then you can speak your truth with authenticity without hurting or harming. The other thing that we say is, are you helping to harm or healing the hurt? Right. If you're helping, uh, are you helping to harm that may be with negative words or are you healing the hurt, which is that that person may have been going through something as well. Yeah. Right. So if it's your brother or it's your mother, and I always say the fourth segment, the fourth week is on forgiveness, the power uh, to forgive and the courage to to break through to the other side and let go. All right. So we're having this conversation and I'm telling you, I want to fight, fight for the relationship, not fight against it. Then you lay down the facts. This is what's happened. You've borrowed money from me for the last 20 years and never returned it. Mm. That has happened, right? That's a fact. I've not really, because I've taught you how to treat me, I've socialized you to believe that this is okay. That's on me, right? So that's a fact too. The third part is, at this point, my life is changing and I no longer want to teach you how to mistreat me. So we need to make some changes in our relationship if we're going to stay in it. So part of that is, are you willing to make these adjustments with me so we can stay in this relationship? And one of those boundaries is, I'm not going to be able to give you any money Yeah, uh, and that, that's really not serving me or you, because I've become your enabler, and you continue to receive this, these resources from me, but you don't really do anything with it. So what can we do together to make this change that doesn't look like the past, but it looks like we're moving forward.
0: Looks like we're moving forward. And then I guess you finally have to brace yourself because you may not always get
3: the, the response that you want. Well, this is absolutely correct. You actually sound like, sound like a therapist right there because what I say to, to, to my clients and oftentimes to people I'm coaching is speak your truth in these conversations without any expectation that that person is going to be able to receive it. But that will be your litmus test. Because if they can receive it, right, then you have room to make change for the better in the relationship. But if they can't, you can still forgive that person without them being present or being with you. And then you would have to move on to healthier relationships. That doesn't mean you harm them. You might have to love them from a distance because they just aren't where you are. And then you have to accept. Sometimes we want more for people than they want for themselves. And sometimes we want more for the relationship than that person can Do to meet us there.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the biggest lesson. And you got to have these courageous conversations because I I, I truly believe that not everybody is meant to be on your full journey. You want to live your best life. You can't be... Can't have all these weights weighing you down.
3: I say let go, let God, and let's go. That means that some people are in your life for a reason and a season, but not a lifetime, right? They sometimes are in your life um, a little past their expiration date. There is sometimes an expiration date for some folks so that you got to let them go so you can move on. And it's okay. We can really transition in some relationships with a level of love, a level of support, um, even a level of empathy, so that you know it doesn't have to be so confrontational that you hate that person or they hate you it's like we've we've come to the end of this particular journey and i'm going to pray for you that you go to your next level as i go to my next level but that is a courageous conversation because it's based in love or you wanting the best, not only for that person, but for yourself.
0: Tell people, you know, where they can find your book yes. and how they can connect with yes. you.
3: Yes. So people can find the book. Um, they can go on the website, com right? And then, you know, we'll make sure that they get it's. It gets to you, hopefully, before the holidays if people want it. They can find it on Amazon and Barnes & Noble in January of 2020. And we're going to do a podcast as well, and we're going to infuse different parts of the book. They can also reach me at 215-789-6999 or RG at ConnectionsMatterLLC.com if they want therapy or coaching. We're right in Winfield section. And... I think it's a wonderful thing.
0: Well, I want to say congratulations to you on your first book, uh, Courageous Conversations Connect. Check out Dr. R.G. (laughs) Allen Wilson. Check her out. And, uh, you know, start those courageous conversations. 2020 is the perfect time to kick it off.
4: Thank you. Happy holidays to you. Happy holidays.
0: Next up, he served his country and now he's helping Santa. It
4: gives that child that sense of hope.
0: A retired Bucks County Marine's plans to brighten the holiday for thousands of kids. If you like what you've heard, please check out some of our past episodes. Uh, we recently did a show on gender neutral parenting and buying gender neutral toys. Very riveting discussion. We also did a full podcast with an exclusive interview with David L. Cohen of Comcast. We talk about the Byron Allen $20 billion case against that company and whether or not it will impact civil rights laws going forward. Take a listen. You can subscribe to the Flashpoint podcast on all platforms. All you have to do is search Flashpoint or Flashpoint KYW. Thank you so much for all of your support. Happy holidays. I'm Matt
4: Leon, sports reporter and anchor here at KYW News Radio. Talking to athletes, coaches, people in Philly sports every day, you find out they have incredible stories to tell. So I started a podcast, a weekly conversation with someone you should know more about. It's called One on One with Matt Leon. Subscribe now wherever you listen.
0: Welcome back to Flashpoint. I'm Cherry Greg. Be sure to subscribe to the Flashpoint podcast by downloading the radio.com app, Apple Podcast app, or other platforms. All you have to do is search Flashpoint KYW. And we here at KYW, we are all about community. And retired Marine, now turned Santa's little helper, has a duty to serve his community for a memorable holiday season. With a team of program sponsors, volunteers, and support from the community, he is working to ensure that 8,000 children in need get gifts. This Christmas morning here to tell us more about Bucks County Toys for Tots is retired Marine Corps Staff Sergeant Kevin Miller. Welcome to Flashpoint.
4: Morning, Cherry. Thank you for having me.
0: So this story I read in the Bucks County Courier Times really warmed my heart. Tell us what you're doing right now this holiday season.
4: Well, Toys for Tots, I've been doing it for 28 years now. Um, And it's one of those things where I can remember as a child, you know, going to the local YMCA with my dad, dropping off. at that time, used toys that the reservists would fix and then put back out in the community for children that didn't have anything for Christmas. Uh, It has grown tremendously since then. It is now operated by uh, civilians as well as Marine Corps units. For our area, uh, I handle about 90% of Bucks County and small portions of Montgomery County, and the program just continues to grow every year.
0: Yeah, and so um, you guys collect toys from all all sorts of places.
4: Right. Uh, this year we have roughly 360 boxes out in about 300 different businesses. And then we have different events that take place throughout the season. Uh, and it's it's nothing more than us bringing in the toys in order to get them back out in the hands of the less fortunate children in the area.
0: Yeah. And so how do you find these kids? Because this is a time of the year where if you don't have, you really, really feel it. And, and no one wants to see kids go without.
4: When I first started the program... Back in 93, I was screening individual families. Uh, I was actually hand-delivering the toys in uniform, Christmas Eve, Christmas morning, whatever it took to get the toys out to the children. Now that the program has gotten as large as it has for us, we deal strictly with agencies. We don't do anything with individual families. And I feel that the agencies can offer those families more anyway. All I can offer is toys. Whereas if I tell them, Look, Salvation Army up in Upper Bucks will screen you. This church group down in in Lower Bucks will screen you. It allows them to get more. Yeah. You know, if they go to Salvation Army, they get screened for the toys, but then Salvation Army may also be able to pay their electric bill for one month. You know, or that this you know food bank will be able to provide them some meals.
0: Yeah. And what? Well, tell me your motivation for doing this.
4: I have been on the wrong side of the economy. I know what it's like. To not have, I, I know how difficult it can be to to make sure that your children don't realize how bad things may be financially for the family. So I want to make sure that that those parents that are out there that need the help can get the help.
0: Yeah, and you've actually delivered. What was it like to see the the the, the kid's face light up?
4: It's heartwarming, you know. Whether it's the the tears of joy from the parents. You know, the, the hugs, the, the thank yous. I mean, we'll get thank you cards in the mail later from different even now uh, when we're dealing with agencies. The agencies will get thank you cards and then they'll forward everything in a big envelope to us after the season. Yeah.
0: And it seems like such a small thing, but it could have a huge impact.
4: Absolutely. And we have there are now uh, Marines that benefited from the program. Whereas a, as a young child, they received a toy from Toys for Tots. And that's the whole point of the program is that it gives that child that sense of hope.
0: Yeah. And you are, you know, in the sandwich generation, so to speak, because you watch your father do this and, and now your kids watch you do it.
4: Absolutely. All, all of my children were born into the program. They've, they've grown up with it. Uh, two of my children have joined the Marine Corps. One's active duty, one's reserve. They, they've all volunteered with the program. They do what they can to help it. And so how can people support
0: you? Because you've been collecting toys for quite a few weeks now.
4: We have. Our, our stuff goes out at the, at the end of October, and uh, we go through typically the middle of December. Uh, our program has always been very successful. That We have a very generous community uh, in Bucks County. We, we've never had an issue filling the needs. And although uh, we've stopped collecting for the season, we are still putting out. We still have agencies picking up toys even this week.
0: What has surprised you most in doing this
4: work? I think one of the biggest things that has surprised me is the amount of uh, support that we get from the community. Mm. You know, the, the, the outpouring of toys and monetary donations – that provide us what we need to be able to help these children.
0: Yeah. And so many kids um, in need. I mean, the economy is doing great, but there's a lot of things that kids still need, especially around the holidays. And so if people want to donate, maybe there, it's too late to donate toys, but are, is there, are there other ways of supporting?
4: There are. Even if you can't find a collection box, there's always a way that you can go out to any of the local websites for Toys for Tots. And... There's a spot that says donate online, it'll allow you to do a monetary donation. You can always mail a donation to us. Although we're done collecting toys, if you want to you know, I know a lot of people nowadays and I think that's what's hurting some of the campaigns is nobody goes into the stores anymore. Yeah. Everything is online shopping. So when you're doing that online shopping, purchase that extra toy and have it shipped directly to the campaign.
0: You're here you are, someone who provided service to our country now provide a major service to our communities specifically to our our youngest. Yes. Give us some ideas. So for for those tough to to serve ages, um, you know, under 3, over 10, what what are some gift under ideas? Under
4: 3, under 3, get into that Fisher Price aisle. You know, get into Walmart, get into that Fisher Price and Play School aisle. You know, they're the things that we need. You know, again, over over 9, you know, the, the large count puzzles, the 500,000 piece puzzles. You know, the the there is some technology stuff out there. This year, we went out and we picked up some of those. I mean, everybody nowadays has, typically, even even if they're down on their luck, they've probably got a cell phone or they've got a Bluetooth speaker that they use with some sort of MP3 player or iPod. So we went out and we picked up we pick up Bluetooth speakers for them. But then we also go out and pick up some of those power bricks. Yeah, headphones to keep even, those things yeah. charged. Mm-hmm. Right, the earbuds, all of that stuff. Uh, and then again, we do the you know watch and wallet sets for the for the boys. We'll do. Bath sets for the girls. We we just have to get creative with it. Wonder, cute
0: handbags. Teenage girl might like a nice cute purse. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Because as kids get older, the gifts do get more expensive. But people are very generous, especially around the holidays. Give us the website.
4: The local website for us is Bucks County PA. .toysfortots.org.
0: Wonderful. So I want to say a uh, congratulations to you, uh, Kevin Miller, for all the work that you've done and are doing and, uh, and for passing the torch to the next gen.
4: That's awesome. You're welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: That's it for the Flashpoint Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this exclusive content. Follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Flashpoint Show. You can also follow me at Cherry Gregg. If there's an issue that makes you hot under the collar, let us know and we'll walk you through the flames. As Zen Master Tick Nat Han once said, the present moment is the only moment available to us, and it's the door to all other moments. I'm your host, Cherry Greg. Until next week, thanks for listening.